Yeah. Brian, which one of us is the diva of the podcast? Don't say it. 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 We both know. No, we don't. <laughs> it's Paul. When he's here, yeah. How about the one who is saying, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. That's very diva. I just don't want you to talk that way about yourself. <laughs> I I have a lot of respect for you, Brian, and I hope that you just have the same respect for yourself. So, listeners, this is, a, this is an episode that Matt has been dreading. <laughs> but I talked him into it, finally. We haven't even started the episode and I already hate it. Hey everyone, welcome back to TV Guys, now with 50% more Kardashian references. I'm Matt. I'm Brian, and actually I don't have any Kardashian references on my... <laughs> well, we've made two so far, and that is at least a 50% uptick from our zero, so we're on track. I don't think we've ever track. mentioned them before, have we? Not there that I can go. recall. Nope, but that's it. That's that's the references. You, you just We shot it in the first second, and we're done. Yeah. We could get there by, like, we talk about Friends quite a bit, and Ross was in that... Um the Kardashian biopic movie thing for OJ. Oh yes. Although that's, that's <laughs> not a Kardashian biopic. That's, that's not about the Kardashians as well, much about, as it is about the trial. It's about Robert Kardashian. I mean, fair, <laughs> but still, I'm not, I'm sure Kim didn't show up and be like, and now it's time for me to film a sex tape. I don't know. I or did it. she? Because <laughs> I guess I don't know. That might have <laughs> happened. But no, we are talking about a character type that every time when it's just like, hey, we're going to talk about a diva character. I'm like, Brian, I hate this character. This is just the worst character. I do not like divas. I look like we're we're going to get into these. Um, but I mean, the first one to me, like before, just as a just as a, a litmus test yes. for us is that like the diva that I think of that is like quintessential is Miss Piggy from the Muppets. And oh, I love the right Muppets. Yeah. I, I love, love the Muppets. I bet you do. I love the Muppets. I don't like Miss Piggy. Anytime that there's like Miss Piggy stuff involved, I'm like, this is too much Miss Piggy for me. And the, the thing that I don't like about her dynamic in the group is that they so oftentimes enable her. Now, I'm not blaming Miss Piggy for our current of uh, self-centered generations and our social media like problems that we have. Yeah. But I think we tend to do the same thing where we enable people that really shouldn't be enabled anymore, hence the Kardashians. And I think that like <laughs> it's a microcosm by seeing it in the Muppets of like Miss Piggy and how she's treated is similar to how we treat a lot of celebrities that really shouldn't get the time of day. So that maybe that whole type of thing is what really gets at me about divas as people enabling those who are just like, no one cares or should. I get everything you're saying is valid. So one thing I'm going to be doing with all of my picks. And then if I know your picks, I'll try to do it too. try to find at least one redeeming moment from all of them because all of them okay. on my list have them including miss piggy so the thing with miss piggy is she was she's much less nuanced now than she was because nobody knew or or knows miss piggy better than frank oz her original performer sure. and creator and maybe he, you that blasphemy to say <laughs> yeah, but you thought about it and that's what's important when, as long as he's still alive, I can be number two. <laughs> okay. Because Frank Oz was always very 
into the his characters in like in character development. He knew those characters very well, and he would play them. And he always f- f- kind of uh, said Miss Piggy was like a truck driver who's trying to be a pageant queen, or or something like that. Where like she has all these insecurities and she wants to be beautiful, and just that um, bravado and putting herself out there. And so you see in a lot of the earlier stuff for Miss Piggy, especially like in the Muppet Show in the early movies cracks of her um, sensitivity and insecurities peeking out more whereas later on the kind of she kind of became flanderized and became just fully diva like miss piggy in the muppets 2015 series has one moment that i'll talk about that is redeeming other than that she's completely insufferable in that series but she was much more of a nuanced um intricate character back when she was performed by frank oz like all was the 20 was, oh, I'm sorry. I'm okay, real quick. I'm saying all three you. of the original movies, back when Jim, Jim Henson was alive, have a moment where Miss Piggy saves the day. She busts out of her, her and Kermit being tied up to save Kermit from uh, the mad scientist. In the Grim Up Caper, she drives a motorcycle through a stained glass window to save the Muppets from the bad guys. And in the Muppets Take Manhattan, her karate chop sends Kermit flying across the room and knocks his amnesia out of him. Driving a motorcycle through a stained glass window is the very definition of diva behavior. <laughs> it's like this is how you make an entrance, and you can't just walk into a room as a diva. You have to drive a motorcycle <laughs> through a stained glass window. But the rest of the Muppets were being held up by gunpoint, and then that's how she got the Muppets, got the bad guys away from them. That's fair. I mean. The- <laughs> Right, that Miss Piggy. Like, I can't hate, hate, hate Miss Piggy, but she's definitely my least favorite Muppet. Yeah. Well, oh, of of like the the big name ones. There's yeah. Like some that I'm like I don't know that person's name, so yeah. I don't. I don't have that problem. But <laughs> in the 2015 series, there's an episode where Miss Piggy's trying to like find a friend. She realizes she doesn't have any friends, and so and in in process of trying to make friends, she ends up being like extra diva, extra. Like, uh, like, just unaware of how out of touch she is, and she's really annoying. But through this, Uncle Deadly, who is like her, her right hand man, her assistant, is like right with her all throughout the whole thing, helping her through the process. And at the end of the episode, they had done this runner where Uncle Deadly was doing a one man show of Clueless, where he plays Shara Horowitz, this like horrible, ugly monster play playing the characters in Clueless. And they show he's on stage. He wasn't wasn't really expecting anyone to to show up. And the lights show up. And not only is Miss Piggy there, but like all the rest of the Muppets are there. And it's kind of implied that Miss Piggy got the entire gang to come and support him because he realized that he was her friend the whole all all along. And she said something like, you'll do great or something encouraging. And like in that moment, like that was a really good Miss Piggy moment. Few and far between, but redemption counted. Yeah, I I think the times that I laugh at Miss Piggy is when she realizes who she's surrounded by. Yeah. That like like in the in the Muppets movie with Jason Siegel, that yeah. the, like her just watching Muppet Man unfold in front of mm-hmm. her and just like what is going on, and then realizing it's Muppet Man and like and being upset your, about that, banging her head on the table. <laughs> All like that whole scene I thought was great as mm-hmm. she's just like. I'm trying to be this elitist person and this weird, tall, gangly thing is walking around in here. Yeah. So that stuff like that, when they play it for laughs, I can get that, but it's still, you know, yeah. I mean, I'll stop I, my hating. 
it would be very um, expensive, but I think they just need to hire Frank Oz to write Miss Piggy scenes in every Muppet thing they do, and it'll get better. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nah, that's fine. He's not doing anything else, right? Yoda's gone. He's not directing anymore. He's not directing anymore? I don't think so. What's the, what's the last thing he's directed? I don't know. I thought that's what I mean. That well, originally that's why he left the Muppets was to focus on directing, but that was 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, he made a number of movies in the 90s. I think my favorite Frank Oz movie is um, is House Sitter with Steve okay. Martin and Goldie Hawn. Okay. That's a pretty fun one, but it is very 90s. It is very <laughs> 90s. Especially with those headliners, you know, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so go ahead. So I, I steered us to Miss Piggy. Why don't you steer us to one of your picks? Right, another one I think is a very <clears throat> quintessential diva is Rachel Green on Friends, who I think that throughout the show, it's like a gradual, she became less of a diva over time, but she was very, like she, in the beginning, especially season one, the pilot, she was full on diva. Yeah. I I, I agree completely with, with Rachel that like she had that progression, but that she's not insufferable for me. She's still my least favorite. I th- See, here, here's what I think, I, here's what I think Friends did um, well with her is that they were able to make us see her through Ross's eyes. And so mm-hmm. we saw, uh, and Jennifer Anderson is a really good actor. And so she brought a really nice natural charm to that role. So we were softened to some of Rachel's harder edges, even early on, because we see her the way that Ross talks about her. Yeah. And so um, once that we had that, then it's like, oh, of course, she's just part of the friend group. We, you know, it's natural. And overall, she has a number of solid scenes. Oh yeah, but th- there are like some like her biggest to me. One of the biggest like frustrations. <laughs> You're like, I'm gonna find redeemable moments. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna find the worst stuff. <laughs> My, like one of the more, more annoying ones was like when she takes that class with Phoebe, and so like Phoebe oh, the yeah. book club class, and Phoebe's all into the book, and she's like, well, didn't you read it? And Rachel's like, oh, I found something better to read. Vogue, and yeah. like that is a very diva behavior, and that mm. was like, I'm so I don't like her in this episode at all. And so I'm glad that, you know, Phoebe was able to embarrass her with uh, with the robot storyline. Oh, yeah, because she kept stealing all of all of Phoebe's stuff and then Phoebe caught on to that. Yep. I haven't seen that one in forever. I don't even know what the rest of that what was the A story in that because that was the B story. I don't know. You're right. Because um, I remember, I think Ch- uh, Monica was involved in the A story, but then she pops up at the end of the B story because it's like, what if oh, we yeah. bring Monica to this? Of course, like, Monica's I- like, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Monica, you Ask the question. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so Monica. But I yes. think you really see, they, they promote her as a diva in the pilot. In the pilot, she's like, oh, I don't know. My dad pays for everything. How do you pay for things? What's a job? And it's like, I'm glad that they didn't make her that airheaded for very long. Yes. Because they, they made her struggling. And um, they, they brought that back a little bit every now and then when they had, like, when they had her sorority sisters come in. Or her sisters were talking about how, like, you know, oh, like, I've been out on dad's boat and this and that. But in the pilot alone, she probably would have been my least favorite friend. But the series as a whole, she's probably fourth on the list, maybe even third. Fourth. Fourth. That's fine. I I, I don't need to do it. Fourth. You like, like, I'm, I'm sure you like uh, Chandler and Joey and Phoebe more, right? Yeah. She goes like back. Yeah. Monica's my least favorite. And then Ross uh, is Ross has great moments 
later on. I don't like early seasons Ross. I like late seasons yeah. Ross. Is it because <clears throat> um, Monica uh, gives OCD people a bad name? It's because she's just not that fun. <laughs> True. She does have multiple sticks up her butt, but she arranges them in size and uh, thickness. So. <laughs> You're welcome. Michael Scott is saying it. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, of of the divas that I like, I didn't have her on my list, but if she was, she'd be my second best on here. Here's okay. another one that um, is really in the diva category. There's, I'm going to kind of stretch it a few different times with this, okay. but this is very diva is Donna from Parks and Rec. She's on my list too. She's not a bad character, she, no. but she's used in a small amount and in small doses. So mm-hmm. it doesn't make me be like, oh my gosh, Donna, I'm so annoyed at you. Very rarely does she pipe in and I'm like, I don't like what you're comp- contributing. She is, I don't think she ever in any of the episodes had the A plot, but I think that she does a lot of B plots and she does it just fine. And, um, but she's not like the one that is like, I think you know um it's funny because this show also has a male uh, diva as well and i don't mind why am i blanking on his name tom Uh, tom i was gonna call him tommy i'm like it's not tommy no but tom is a very good diva character because you poke fun at him he's goofy but you get to see like his Mm -hmm. heart he's he's metrosexual but he's not entitled and yeah. so, like, he's the good parts of divas. Like, there's nothing wrong with the treat yourself mentality that they yeah, have. I was just saying, you got to mention treat yourself. But, he, like, treat yourself to me isn't about Donna. Like, Donna's a part of that because, of course, she would be a part of that. But for me, the funniest parts of treat yourself are between Tom and when they bring Ben along. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're especially because Ben, this is not his world. And so, like, he's not quite getting this concept until he buys the Batman suit is like, okay, this is your version of treat yourself. We're with you. That's a great spin on it. So Don is not the strongest one, but Tom is actually a really good diva character. Yeah. That is actually funny and endearing. You know, it's, it's funny with, with Donna, they bring in Kika Michael key to be her, her boyfriend husband later on. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting seeing him be the straight man. Cause he can play the, the, the off the wall, crazy character. You oh, see yeah. that in key and peel. But he's balanced off of Tom and Donna's. He like, and I was like, treat yourself. Even Jerry's like, treat yourself. And he's like, I have no idea what's going on. It's not helpful. (laughs) (laughs) That that he does a great straight man too. But weirdly enough, Uh, what's what's your top Donna moment? Because I actually have one Donna moment. I'm like, okay, this I'm I'm all all, I'm all about. As it's it's whenever she gets to interact with Jerry, like when Jerry's doing like that, licking the envelopes and realize he did it wrong. She's like. (laughs) I'm good. I'm going to make coffee. I'll stay with you. Or like she fishes all of Jerry's stuff out of the, the grate at the end. It's like, <laughs> she knows that Jerry's an oaf, but she has a soft spot for him. And that was going to be the moment I brought, I bought brought for like the redemption arc. Cause they're, they're a good pair. Cause they're the two who were part of the main cast, but they're definitely the least important out of the main yeah. cast. I actually really liked the episode when um, they are assigning, like what's your, per- what dog is your personality? Oh yeah. And so then, oh, yeah. April just throws some random dog at her and she's like, all right, well, that's not, you know, you're not playing the game, right? This is, it's actually offensive how you did that. Yeah. And so I thought that that was really great of like making her go for like making April go deeper in how her, she's interacting with people. Cause it's not her strong suit. And so to be able to actually dig deep of why do you like Donna? Why is she someone that you respect? And then you found the animal that ties into mm-hmm. her. 
That's true. And like she earned Donna's, res- Donna's respect by treating her like a person. Yes. And there's another April, actually April Ann and Donna moment that Donna saves because it would have been, wouldn't nearly have been as funny without her. When Donna, or no, when April and Ann are singing time after time, and without knowing what's going on, Donna just opens the door and sings along with them and then closes the door as they're done. She didn't need to know what's going on. They're singing time after time. I'm joining in. And that made that moment. Nice. There you go. I, I vaguely remember that. I, I like because they're in the courtyard, right? I just don't remember anything else about that moment. I'll go with a one. I'm not sure if you have it on our list, but I, I will. I'll, I think she counts Tahani from The Good Place. She absolutely counts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that they she's like of the four. It's the same sort of thing of the four. She's my least favorite. Yeah. But I like that they really poke fun at like, this is not a desirable trait to have and that she needs to grow in it. Like, sure, you keep the name dropping that that's that can be a funny gimmick. Yeah. Um, Sometimes a little overused, but it's really a lot of like, this is why she's that way. And her whole journey of getting outside of that because i love the the test that she goes through as she's walking down the hallway with the doors Mm -hmm. and like trying not to care about what people think and then she has to go in to see what her parents say and they're still talking about her sister i think that's the best character moment for her in the whole series and i really enjoyed that scene yeah you stole my moment but yeah that's a good one (laughs) there because i mean because she definitely is insufferable a lot of the time but she grows a lot out of those. I think her and Eleanor have the most to be able to, to need to grow out of yeah. the four of them. I mean, yeah, Jason's, I mean, Jason is just kind of a dumb puppy the whole time. Yeah. He has a little bit of growth, but um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I find, I find that amazing with Jason is that they let him finally be the monk, like yeah. at the end of just standing in silence and just taking time as he waited for mm-hmm. uh, Janet to pop up again. And then he's like, what do you mean? Like a month, like he did, yeah. that went way over his head. Yeah, and I like that at the end they showed Tahani like being good at everything because she has infinite time to be, to practice everything. And they even brought in uh, Nick Offerman to be like, "Yes, this chair is a, a good chair." I mean, he he said specific chair things that I don't know because I'm not a chair person. <laughs> this chair is the chair that you would sit on if you needed a chair. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. That's how Ron Swanson would say it. <laughs> Yeah, he'd be very matter of fact. He might not tell you why. He's like, this is a good chair, and that's it. That's all you yeah. get. I, I'm very sorry for taking your moment with Tahani. Did you have more to share about Tahani? Not really, because I knew some of these would have more discussion than others. I knew we'd spend a lot of time on Miss Piggy. I didn't think we started right off the bat with her. <laughs> here's a short one okay. that we won't go into, because she she died in the second season of this six-season show. Um, oh, but I know it. Shannon from yep. Lost. Yeah. As soon as you said that, I'm like six seasons. Th- yep, Shannon. That's it. And she was one of the weakest of the main cast at the beginning. She yeah. got a little more interesting at the end of season one, at the beginning of season two, um, as she found a little bit more use. Like it, it was the same sort of thing with Rachel, where we got to start seeing her through Saeed's eyes, and that mm-hmm. Saeed was like, "You're very capable," and like actually someone who's like, "I believe in you for who you are, and not for what you can do for me." Because she's she's almost been like a a tool for people that like guys just come in, they use her and then they leave. And like very few people viewed her for who she is. And they just yeah. viewed the outside package. And so it was good to see some growth at the end of season one. And she starts to get into that growth in season two. And you're like, okay, she can become a serviceable character. And then they kill her. And you're like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> no big loss, but 
they could have done more with Shannon, but it's kind of the thing where there's so many characters in Lost that you can't keep them all around. So like if they yeah. kept Shannon, they would have had to kill somebody else. I'd say, I think. Yeah. I was just surprised at the first two like big dead are Shannon and Boone, the brother sister combo. Yeah. So do you have, do you have a redeeming one for, I know it's like sh- very brief, but do you have a redeeming moment for Shannon? I would say uh, when she is with Saeed and going over the maps and like, she, cause she's translating cause she knows French and yes. you see that moment where he looks at her and it's not just that he's falling in love with her, but he's also realizing like he's seeing her, like what she can do outside of just being caught. Yeah. And it, and it culminates in her singing across the sea in French. And it's like, oh, this is a nice moment. Mm-hmm. You know, she was going to be on my list, but then I forgot to put her on my list. So I'm glad you mentioned her. <laughs> well, there you I, go. I thought about it when I was at work. I'm like, oh, yeah, when I make my list, I got to make Shannon. And then or, and then I, I didn't. Yeah, and you didn't. Well, here we are. We have Shannon. We made sure we included her. Yep. Here's another one. And then, okay, I'm going to try. I'll have to try to think of a redeeming moment as we talk about it. But Kelly Kapoor from uh, The Office. Okay. Because she's definitely like quintessential diva. Yep. I'll let you lead in so I don't take any of your thunder here. It's just her whole her whole thing is just needing like her personality is summed up by her New Year's resolution, which was to get more attention by any means necessary. Yes. And like she when they were t- playing that game where oh, they're all betting and having throwing money around because she was explaining Netflix to Ryan, which by the way, explaining physical DVD Netflix. Yes. Like, well, she mentioned romantic comedies. She said awesome 12 times and this and that. Like, she is definitely like a teenage girl trapped in a 20 something year old girl's body. Like, that's just, that's just her. She's all about the drama, all about the attention, all about being the prettiest one in the room. Yeah. And with The Office, you, you have a little bit of a difference because, like, yeah, there are characters that you care about, but she's not one of those, I care about what happens with Kelly. No, I don't. She, it, you know, she she's just done such bad things, and or like, and even stuff that they allude to is like Kelly. You can't just uh, say that you're raped whenever something doesn't go right for you. you can't keep yeah. doing that, <laughs> or not again, or something like that. Yeah. Or like when Ryan comes back and like she's like, "Well, you better be sticking around for this baby because I'm pregnant." And then just the talking head where she shakes her head, no, like yeah. that's like that's a, a terrible thing to do to a person, and the yeah. the lengths that she goes to get a Attention are comedic but obviously should not be replicated and just like with angela it's like this is a character that you can laugh at that you don't really want to develop too much like familiarity or um relatability you know you know I, you know it's funny i was having a conversation and they said who would you rather date kelly or angela and i said angela because i couldn't take all the manipulation and games that kelly has because with angela at least you know what you're getting well, you they both are manipulation in games. That's that's their whole thing. It's just Kelly's not so good at them. Uh, yeah. And Angela is like Kelly would at least care about you yeah. while you're dating her, even if she only is caring about the drama you bring or the attention you're giving her or whatever. Angela doesn't care. She's just whatever she will get from you She'll is what. OK, she so you wants. date Kelly and I'll date Angela. You know, I've, <laughs> I've, I've got a wife, so I think I'm okay. Ironically, your wife is named Angie. That's true. Okay, if pressed, actually, it's funny we're talking about Angela. My 
redeeming moment for Kelly is when she's legitimately trying to help Angela be good at answering the phones. When Angela's being rude and she's like, okay, that was so good, but maybe you could be a little friendlier or whatever she says. Maybe the thing that you can work on with the apology is apologizing. Yes. <laughs> That's good. Uh, how much time are we, or how many phone calls do you think we're wasting by taking this training? <laughs> I know, right? It must be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who good. do you got, Matt? All right. So the last one I said was Shannon. I I feel like I've got the opposite end of the spectrum here, at least even like in terms of brain power and drive is um, from Gilmore Girls. I consider Paris a diva and it's not your typical diva, but it where it's like everything is so extra and so big, but it is very entitled. Look at me. There's only room for one, that sort of side of it. So it's a different type of diva than Shannon for sure. But she definitely is that type that I'm like, she Paris annoys me so much, but I was surprised at how much I ended up liking her. I wouldn't say like, I liked her, liked her a lot like later, but I liked her more. She became a lot more tolerable and I have no idea how that happened. She is a terrible human being. And she's just very sure of herself. She's one of my favorite characters. She, she is very sure of herself, but at the expense of anyone else, it's like, like society is beneath her. And that's what I, so when I say terrible human being, it's like terrible in terms of how do you fit in society? You don't really, because you don't want to fit in society because unless you're ruling over them like a tyrant, then they don't serve you. And so that's where my big problem is with Paris and why I dislike her, but she ends up being a captivating character. Yeah. Well, the tragic thing about Paris, I think that her, her, all of her qualities you don't like stem from her being ignored by her parents and basically being raised by her nanny I think she was doing all that to try to impress her parents, get that attention. And then sure. tra- tragically, her kids ended up also being raised by the nanny. She being, ended up giving her kids the, the childhood that she didn't like. Boy, if that doesn't speak to how we <laughs> we are. Gosh, I'll never do that when I'm a dad. And then you say the exact same words like, oh, crap. Yeah, And then the, the Paris redemption arc is easy, came to my mind immediately. She's always there for Rory. And like in a moment, mo- mm-hmm. um, one moment is when Rory found out that Logan had cheated on her with all those bridesmaids when they were broken up, but maybe not broken up the Ross and Rachel on a break thing for them. Yeah. And like, she has like all the doors locked and she's laying into Logan and like yelling at, yelling at her for him. And Rory even says like, or she even says like, uh, you, you want to chime in here? And Rory's like, no, Paris has it. She's she got it. I agree with everything she's saying. <laughs> That's a great a moment and great episode. And Rory it's- and Paris were a good pair. Oh, shockingly so. Yeah. yeah. I think after the first season, like they, they definitely introduced her as a rival and there are definitely yeah. times in the first, maybe two seasons when yeah. Paris was the rival, but for them to like be able to graduate together and Paris was fine that mm-hmm. they like shared the valedictorian spot. Um, yeah. Cause is that, that's what that was, right? There was, they shared valedictorian. Cause I, know I think they, they, both they, had they shared speech. it or Rory got it, but I know Rory did the speech. Oh yeah. no, they both did a speech, didn't they? Yeah. They both were slated to do the speech and then like, Paris was late or like something uncharacteristic of Paris or I, I only watched the whole show once. So I don't, I don't I'm, know for certain. I'm actually rewatching it now like a little bit at work because I'm re I'm really, I'm re-listening to the Gilmore guys podcast that goes to episode by episode. So I'll, I'll listen to the episode of Gilmore girls and then I'll listen to their podcast. And I've been doing that since like February, like at work. 
Speaking of which, let's take a break here because that is what we're encouraging you to do. If you have watched Breaking Bad last week, we no, two weeks ago, we had an episode about the uh, show Ozymandias, the episode in there. Yeah. And we watched through the episode Ozymandias and then we talked about Breaking Bad or and we we talked about it in the episode. I'm doing a terrible job of the promo here. I don't I don't have go my copy. It. I don't have my copy of the ad. But <laughs> <laughs> go listen to that episode. If you're a Breaking Bad fan, watch Ozymandias. Go listen to us do a deep dive on it. And that's a new segment we're going to be doing. And we've got uh, another one coming up pretty soon um, about The Office. So we're going to be watching Dinner Party and we're going to talk over that episode episode so we are and if you have any suggestions of what's the best episode of this show tell us yeah all right back to regularly scheduled program what do you have for our our next diva our next diva i will go with one that i don't have a ton to talk about uh because i know you haven't seen the show but hillary banks from fresh prince of bel-air oh my gosh i'm just i'm just reacting no reason (laughs) No, I mean, it's, it's a rich family. They all have a little bit of it. She's the quintessential. Like, she'll walk in and say, Daddy, I need $300. Why? I just need $300. And this is back in the 90s when $300 was a lot more than $300. And, money, please. Yeah, pretty much. She pretty much was money, please. Both of those two, by the way, are also divas. But they were... That, Parks and Rec has four freaking divas in the show. And yes. three of them, I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm on board for them. Yeah. Um, but Hillary did have a soft spot. For, like, she did like love her family and she especially had a soft spot for Will and even gave Will uh, a, a job on her talk show because you get rich enough, you get a talk show, apparently. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't remember the details. I haven't watched that, sh- that show all the way through in a while, but I remember it's one of those characters where like, I know there's a lot of people when you hear Diva, they'll think, oh, you mean Hillary. So that's all I got to say about Hillary. I know you don't have a lot to chime in unless you remember from that one episode I made you watch. Was Hillary even in that? Um, not that I remember. Hmm. I she might have been. But I, I don't know she if was, I but she just went, did a drive by. I'm like, oh, yeah, they were watching this earlier. She was the one who told them that they were watching a repeat of that um, game show. But she didn't. That's all she had was one line. I can't believe her. <laughs> all right. Here is another character that I really hated, especially in the third season of this show. Um, the last season she was in wasn't so bad. They toned her down. Um, but that's Erica from Stranger Things. Okay. Erica yeah. is Lucas's <laughs> sister, and she's very minimally in it in the first season. But they bring her in a little bit more in the second, and then they really bump her up to um, one of the main characters in in season three. Yeah. And that to me was like the biggest misstep of the season because you have um, Robin and Steve, Steve and, and Eric and Dustin and Erica together mm-hmm. and Dustin and Steve kind of end up getting sidelined because of Robin and Erica. And I'm like, that is, is completely pointless to have them be like second fiddle in this storyline. Mm-hmm. I think that those are such dynamic characters. We don't need Erica to take over this storyline because not only is she a diva, her she's really more like just that annoying younger sister sibling. And they really leaned heavily for me into the annoying side of that. But the reason why I call her a diva more than because, you know, she's not like, Oh, me like, uh, like a Miss Piggy type diva, but she is very me focused. She comes in, makes sure she's always getting these free scoops and samples. You you really don't like that. She got the free samples. I hate like, (laughs) 
it's not a problem to get some free samples, but for like the way that they do it and be like, I'm just, this is entitlement. I'm like, I should get it because I'm the customer. It's like the, the Karen of the eighties sort of attitude to walk in and be like, I get this. This is what I deserve. And like, I always hate that. It just makes me sick to see people do that. So I remember last time we, when we talked our first stranger things episode with Dan, you went on a rant about the ice cream scoops then too. <laughs> it's not fair. That's not how you make a profit. Yeah, I like Erica in small doses. But she yeah. was much better the last season, for sure. Yes, she was. And Matt's not saying that there's not good female characters. We still got Eleven and Joyce and Nancy and Max. You know, there's just Erica doesn't need to be one of them. And even Robin was good. But oh yeah, just, I like Robin a lot. If it was just Robin, Steve, and Dusty, I thought that that storyline would have been much better. Did I say Dusty? You did. Dustin. Yes. Um, I think that that storyline would have been a lot better, but adding Erica into the mix just made it frustrating for me. Yeah, I agree. I think they feel like they needed a fourth to round them out, but they could have they could have done without without them. Yeah. Well, I think that they would have they should have taken from like because that was also the season of like boys and girls and dating, and we just don't understand each other. And then because of that. I, like this is going to sound like I don't like girls but it was like it really was the boys in that season didn't have as much to do because they mm. were just like the dumb boyfriend like guys just don't get it teenage guy and yeah I've been around I've been a teenage guy I get that we don't understand romantic cues when we are growing up I mm. fully understand that and agree with it but then because of that they end up being a little more sidelined because the story is a lot more focused on 11 and max and there's mm. their um connection for that season yes. so pull one of them out of out of that little like we're guys we're stupid pull them yeah. out of there throw them with Dustin and Steve and have more fun if you can imagine Matt and I are both definite ladies men in high school yeah totally <laughs> all the girls just yep. absolutely loved us <laughs> We weren't friends in high school either, but I'm just assuming that you were not. <laughs> I didn't know you in high school, but I know enough about you now to know that uh, you repulsed women. I'm sure that's how. Uh, I was going to say it nicer than that, but basically. <laughs> yeah, that, that's you talking to me. That's not me talking to you. I'm sure that people just like women saw you like a wounded animal and just flocked to you like back to the future. Is that an insult or a compliment? I don't know. <laughs> It's both. It's backhanded. I do great backhanded compliments. All right. So, so Matt, why don't you go with one of your picks next? All right. So I, I know I just had Erica, but I, I know you don't have quite as much as I have. So I'll do a very quick one. Okay. I've got, so I've got three left and I know you've got two left. And so my three, one of them is one that actually like really, really, really love this character. One is this character grew and that was the point of them being entitled at the beginning. And the third one is one that I just, I can't, I hate. And that one is Jenna Maroney from 30 Rock. That's one of mine, yep. Oh, is it one of yours? Oh my gosh, she's so terrible. She is like the worst parts of Tahani mixed with the worst parts of Shannon mixed with a like the worst parts of a Kardashian. And like there's nothing to me that's redeemable. Her jokes aren't even that funny. I, I can't think of like a funny one that she had. There is a couple like ones that now are a little more biting, like this was way before anything came out. This is early 2000s, but yeah. she made a joke about, I was like, oh, I have tremendous willpower. I once said no to Harvey Weinstein way yeah. before anyone knew anything about Harvey Weinstein in the, in the public media. Yeah. Like, 
shows how much of a secret it was in yeah. celebrity circles for so long. But not yeah, a funny character. I haven't seen that show in forever. I haven't seen that show in forever. And um, so I don't have any specific redemption moments for her, but it's just like, um, it's just, I just remember her personality type as like um, a diva. And I just remember really not liking her. So I have to agree with that for sure. Yay. We did it. We landed on the same one. Okay. So since I stole one of yours, um, maybe this is the one that another one that you have, um, but we just talked about Ted Lasso. And so one of the debated her or not, actually, no, I've got Jamie Tart. Oh, okay. Now, I, this is the only male that I had on here. There was, well, like yeah, I Tom. said, we had Tom Haverford, and he was one we could talk about. Um, but Jamie Tart, his arc is that of going from diva into team member. And I remember when we talked about mm-hmm. Ted Lasso, the last, like, season two, yeah. Paul highlighted how much he enjoyed that arc. And I, I also agree that that was just very great to see him go from, I'm the guy, look at me, get the ball to me, to team player sacrificing the goal to make sure that the team got the goal instead of him getting it. And so he had a really good arc and he is not the same as on the list. No. like And so like to view that like a diva as a negative character type and to grow out of it into being someone who can function with others and mm-hmm. is not about you. That is stronger. So I remember, was he a diva in season two or, or did he have his redemption in season one or season two? Uh, I think it was season two is the redemption. Cause I think season one, he ended up off the team, but he was a little bit of the villain of season one yeah. in parts and that he ended up off the team for a better holistic um, environment for them. Yeah. I agree that um, I agree with him for sure. I mean, in season one, he was insufferable. And like you said, he really did not have any redemptive qualities until he had that redemption arc. Yeah. Like he didn't get redeemed until he got redeemed, but you know, you know what I mean? What? No way. <laughs> I can't believe that that's how that works. So yeah, I didn't have a lot to talk about with him. Cause we, we talked about Ted Lasso last uh, about a month ago. So. Okay. So one of mine, well, my last one, I'm guessing, is on your list. Do you are we going to go to Brooklyn for years? No, I was talking about Gina Linetti from Brooklyn Nine Nine. I forgot to add her. She's one that I don't like. Overall, she's funnier. She's yes. funnier than some others. Overall, I don't like her. I think, like, I don't think the show suffered in, in, in quality by getting rid of her. I think if getting rid of any of the other main characters would have been a hit to the show. Yes. But she did have some moments. She wasn't always completely insufferable. She did have a nice bond with Captain Holt, which is weird because you think for no has no nonsense as he is that she, he wouldn't he would have fired her right away. But even when he went to another department, didn't she go with him? Uh, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've watched through Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's been a couple of years for me too. But I know that she he um, that she did with I think when he went and he got like demoted to like the promotions and he was trying to find names for like the, the penguin or the peacock. Then she went with him or something. <laughs> Boy, out of context. I, I can't remember it. Like there's so much about that show. I don't remember it. So this isn't ringing a bell for you, for me. So yeah. just hearing, I oh, just trying to go name a penguin or a peacock. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like here? the police force mascot. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it was one of those, like she's, incompetent at time or not incompetent like she could do her job really well like apathetic but yes. she worked well with holt 
Yeah. And, and Holt gets the best out of her of anyone uh, on on staff there. Yeah. I, I, I think that she is a character that is fine for a cast ensemble. But if it, if there was going to be like a you said it well, where it's like it really didn't suffer when she left. If it was like that 70s show where it's like some of the mains left and then yeah. she had to get called up to be a bigger role, it definitely you would have felt the annoyance with her. You've been like, OK, this isn't as strong of a character. Yeah. Because she was rather one-dimensional apart from – like, loyalty is a good characteristic, mm-hmm. but a dog's loyal too. It's like that doesn't make it for a really good dynamic character. It's just, okay, yeah. there's more to you than just being selfish. But and they never got rid of Cheddar. And that too. <laughs> but, like, that's her main thing. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So my top one, the one that I actually – I love. So one thing that's great about Divas – I, that's a weird sentence for me. <laughs> One thing that's great about divas though, in a comedy is that they can be so dramatic and so outlandish and so over the top that that is what creates the good comedy and to have other characters that will point out like the hypocrisy of it, or it just even will be foils just by being there. And so this character from Arrested Development, there's actually two divas, but the the daughter, Lindsay, isn't that funny compared to her mom. Lucille Bluth is very much a diva, is very much a me, 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 is this larger than life character. And I think the first (laughs) line that we had from her was on the boat when she's like, look at, look, Michael, look at what the homosexuals have done to me. And like the way Jessica Walter delivers that line to was the absolute conviction. Like that tells you everything you need to know about this character. And so I, I love Lucille Bluth, not because she's a good person, but because she is so hilarious to laugh at the line that I'll consistently quote. And for Angie that like, this was Angie's favorite line of the whole series was early on when Buster is complaining about his mom. And then Mm -hmm. like, he's just like, Oh, it's like she with gets off on withholding things or whatever. And so then she comes in later in the episode is like, here, Buster, here's a candy bar. No, wait, I'm withholding it. Look at me getting off. (laughs) Like just (laughs) the delivery of it is so, so good. I, this character wouldn't be nearly as good without Jessica Walters. Just fantastic comedic timing. Oh yeah. My favorite line of hers is buy a banana. What could it be? $10. (laughs) What could could a banana possibly cost? Here's $10. Go see a star war. (laughs) It's great. Cause the funny thing is that we've talked about that show is just like a revolving door of everybody is terrible. Yes. It's like, who are we, who are rooting for changes? moment to moment and and the credit of that show too is that i don't always like that i like it's hard to have no characters that you root for but i think where arrested development did it well too is that michael ends up being a bit more of a straight man even though Mm -hmm. he's comedic in his own right but his his horribleness doesn't look as as bad when you compare it to the rest of them but it really is like this white knight syndrome even though there's not the racial tension but it's like this i i can say that i'm better than the rest of my family yeah. and real and like really no he sucks just as bad his ideas aren't good he's also screwing over the company accidentally though he's altruistic but he sucks at it mm-hmm. and that's what makes the show so good i would say you could you could make an argument that buster is naive enough and stupid enough that he can't yeah. like he doesn't do anything 
actively bad. He just yeah. stumbles into being terrible because he's he's an idiot. Yep. If anything, he has a juice addiction. That's yeah. <laughs> that's his downfall. <laughs> or or his I'm a monster with the hook. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. we're due for another good Arrested Development episode. That's that's such a funny show. Yeah, it was a good show. So, I'm mean, if you want to also include uh, Jessica Walters' other character that's great as uh, from Archer, uh, Mallory Archer. It's the exact same thing as Lucille Bluth, but you know she runs a spy agency instead of a, a real estate tycoon. And so, if, you, if you take Lucille Bluth, you take away um, a little bit, of, a little bit of the horribleness. Add in some actual emotional development, you get Emily Gilmore. That's true. hundred uh, <laughs> percent. Emily Gilmore is not nearly as funny, but she is no. a, she is a compelling character. Another one that I'm, I was surprised I liked as much as I did. Yeah. She, Cause she's got a lot of emotional nuance and she has her moments of funniness. I will say she does. I, she has such a dry wit and the dry wit of Emily is really solid. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you need a dry wit when you've got such like, Hatcha-cha-cha-cha sort of like comedy from coming out of Lorelai. Like it's it's the sarcastic pop culture-y reference, yeah. referential humor. Whereas Emily's just straight, like it's sarcasm too. Like that's what dry humor is, but it's just straight pa- deadpan sort of delivery. You know, I did not come into this episode thinking about thinking we were going to talk about Gilmore Girls at all, but I'm here for it. <laughs> Get a couple of Gilmore Girls references going and we're, baby, you got a stew going. (laughs) Well, that's it. That's all I got for Divas. And that's all (laughs) that we need to dedicate to this terrible type of of character. Yeah. But to be fair, we had more positive examples than I anticipated going into it. So, yeah. All right. uh, So last week we, um, we talked about movie uh, TV shows from the sixties. And so one of the shows that we talked about was uh, Hogan. I'm, I'm struggling all through left and right through this because I have something else in my brain right now. Okay. Let me start over. So let's move into trivia, but before we do that real quick, last week we talked about sixties TV shows and also last week, uh, the movie mission impossible came out and I just really want this. This is another little small bit of trivia that I learned in the last week. So you, have you ever heard of the song YYZ by Rush? I have not, but go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So that song is Morse code at the beginning of it because it's like they named it after this uh, airport they were at called the designation YYZ. So the song starts off like a dun, 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 dun. And that's like Morse code for YYZ. So they put Morse code in their song. <laughs> well, what I found out was that Morse code for M is two long dashes and Morse code for I is two short dots. And so when we talked about Mission Impossible last week, if you think about the music, it's dun, 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 dun. I'm like, wait, that's Morse code for MI over and over. And I'm like, that is genius. So I figured I should share that now that the movie's out and we talked about that last week. So Did you do that on purpose? Uh, we, we didn't do that on purpose last week, but that just ended up coming out that way. I mean, like, did they do that on purpose with the music? I believe so. If they didn't, like, that (laughs) is the biggest accident ever. You know, one of the big, biggest accident ever for me, uh, I, uh, was editing an old, um, youth convention. So what a segue. (laughs) 
I used to I used to be the guy when me and Matt and our youth leaders, I would take my video camera to youth convention. And I would just make a big compilation video of the weekend. And it was the dodgeball, right? And I was yep. putting the song Rock Fist by Thousand Foot Crush. At one point, it's like, da da da. Eh, music comes back in. And without even trying, I was just moving things around. It perfectly, that, that big moment perfectly lined up with like the winning shot and like the dodgeball being thrown to the ground in celebration. I'm like, whoa, okay, I'm not going to touch a thing. <laughs> that lined up perfectly on accident. And it was like my one of my proudest moments. <laughs> Your, one of your proudest moments is an accident. Well done, Brian. You know, a lot of people have proudest moments that are called accidents, and they call them their children. Jeez. <laughs> and there you go. All you right, know, that's how we're ending that part. We're going to move into oh, trivia. Yeah, right. I could have I gone further. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you didn't. Um, so last week, we talked about, again, we talked about 60s shows. One TV show that we talked about is Hogan's Heroes. And so one of the co-creators of Hogan's Heroes, his name's Albert Ruddy. Um, he, after a short like software stint, or no, I think he was an architectural stint. Um, but he, a friend of his convinced him to like go do this pitch for the show to CBS. And so they pitched Hogan's Heroes and they went for it and they loved it. And so he's like, maybe this is my calling. And he went on to produce some movies. And so the first big movie that he was given was what that he won an oscar for 1972 the godfather so Hmm. the guy who started hogan's heroes went on to produce the godfather and just made a buttload of money off of that so and i said this last week i mean this after the recording but that is two very different pieces of media right there 100 percent. he also did what i'll say uh he did the the original the longest yard so he actually passed on doing godfather 2 because he really wanted to do the longest yard the original one with uh, with Burt Reynolds. Yep. Okay. Not the the new one with Burt Reynolds. Not the new one with Burt Reynolds. <laughs> well, I knew, but I mean the newer one. That was already it's already almost twenty years ago. I remember seeing Longest Yard in the theater, and it came out the same day as Madagascar two. And I'm like, hmm, which Chris Rock movie do I want to see? The one where he dies. Yes. It's been long enough. Spoilers don't matter. Spoil. Oh no. <laughs> All right. So, surprise, surprise. I have a Muppets trivia. No way. Because we talked about Miss Piggy. We did. So, Matt, did you know that, you know, you probably, probably already know. Brian, you know that... no one no one knows but you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, people know about this. Okay, you know who was the performer of, of Miss Piggy originally? Not Frank Oz? It was Frank Oz, but okay. in season one of The Muppet Show, it would go back and forth between Frank Oz and one other performer. And it was a very jarring because when he was when she was performed by the other performer – it was completely different Miss Piggy voice. And then starting with season two, they figured to, they tried to really give her her own uh, personality and kind of made her like the character she is. And that's when Frank Oz took her over full time. So who did uh, Frank Oz share performing Miss Piggy with in season one of The Muppet Show? William Shatner. Yes. <laughs> that is a very different <laughs> camber of voice. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Let us know if you know the answer to that or if you're like me. And uh, you you believe that Brian is asking too specific of questions for us to be able to guess. Just look it up. Look it up. There you go. And then you yep. can submit and be like, I knew that all along. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> but interesting trivia nonetheless. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I'm off to go be a diva. So I'm Matt. I'm Brian. I will remind you to stay tuned and keep watching. Now, who's going to give me my coffee? <laughs>